welcome to the Photography Q&A podcast. Hey, how's it going? I'm Andy Jones, and this is episode 47 of the Photography Q&A podcast. Uh, I hope you had a good week. I know I did. I've been waiting for Starlink's internet for a couple of years now. Starlink is a division of SpaceX, Elon Musk's company. If you're listening, Elon, thank you. You're an absolute genius. I'm pretty sure you do listen. Well, obviously, you know. Anyway, up until now, we've had this wireless internet system that's barely got above 4 megabits per second. Most days it was zero. We just didn't have any internet. So that gave us a maximum of 4 megabits per second. After the Starlink was installed on Tuesday, we've been getting anywhere between 70 megabits per second and 230. And I really feel like I've won the lottery. It just makes my life so much easier. I don't have to get up at 2 in the morning now to upload a video or update the computer or anything. Okay, so this week's question is, can you make money as a travel photographer? And the answer is, in a pandemic-free world, yes. The thought of traveling the world and making money from photography is very appealing. I know it appeals to me. You really need to know what sells, who to sell to, and how to plan it out. So let's start with what sells. Well, this is where you need to think outside the box. If you think you're going to take a trip to Paris, take some killer photos of the Eiffel Tower, and then sell them when you get home, think again. All the world's best-known landmarks have been photographed by everyone and their dog. I can guarantee that there are no magazine editors out there saying, if only I could get my hands on a good quality picture of the Eiffel Tower. Now, you might have some crazy idea that is different from everybody else's, and that will sell. But at this point, I'm thinking most of the landmarks around the world, the easy-to-get-to ones, are probably covered already. So any magazine editors out there, if they need a picture of the Eiffel Tower and they don't have one, they just go on one of the stock websites and purchase it for a few dollars. Well, they don't purchase it, they license it. So what you need to think about are all the other possible photos you can take that tell the story of Paris. You don't even need to go to Paris, just go on a tour of the small towns and villages in rural France. Today with Airbnb, there's places out there that need your images. So don't just think about the main landmarks, think about other areas. There are so many places that you could be recording. What about photographing all the small towns, villages, in your state, province, county, anywhere close? This might be a good place to start, it, and it won't cost you much. Well, it will cost you a lot now because gas is so high, but maybe you could do it on a bike. Go cycle. You've, you need to avoid the obvious tourist spots because you've got a better chance of selling your work in a less crowded marketplace if you're not covering those spots. So who's going to buy your photos? Well, your first option is to put your photos on a stock website. Once uploaded, your photos can be sold for use in magazines, websites, anyone who's doing an ad. Any business could use it for any purpose. Now, the buyer is paying for the license to use the image. It isn't actually buying the image. So you can sell that same image multiple times. Selling through this method on stock websites, it really is a numbers game. You need to sell a lot of licenses if you're going to make a living out of this. Approximately 15 years ago, I can't be exact on it, the two top photographers in the world on stock websites were a guy called Yuri Akers and another guy called Andre Rodriguez. Now, they both made over a million dollars a year each. They didn't work together. Uh, the one was based in London, and the other guy, I think he was Danish. 
not sure on that. Anyway, but they had uploaded over, I know Uriakas at one point was over 25,000, maybe way above that, but I remember when I read about him, it was 25,000 images spread over maybe three or four different sites. Now, these can't just be any old shots. They have to be tack sharp, and I mean tack sharp because they zoom in on them before they allow you to start uploading to their site, and if they're poor quality, they'll just delete them. So yeah, 25,000 images. So this was a full-time business for them. Each of them had a team around them. I know Yuri Akers had, he bought some greenhouses, some old greenhouses, and he converted them into studios. So he'd have a kitchen in one, a dental office in another, a doctor's office, all different scenarios. So check out some of the websites and see what is the best offer now. Some of the ones I am still on are not the best. And I don't add any, I've not added any images to those for a long time. I use Adobe Stock currently because they allow me to set my price. So if I want five bucks for a basic download where in other places I get 25 cents, they allow me to do that. And I make more money from that. Like I don't make much because I don't have many on there. I, it's not something I want to get into really. Just every so often I have a good few images and I think, yeah, I'll put those up. Other websites apart from Adobe Stock are Shutterstock. Big Stock, iStock, and there's one called Pond5. Pond5 is aimed more at videographers, but they also let you put still images. And they all I think they all let you do videos now. But Pond5 is definitely the place to go if you want to buy some stock video. Another option to make money from your work is to sell it is to sell it yourself. Let's say you just got back from a vacation in Greece. Uh, you've got a collection of 2,000 images. What are you going to do? Well, I think Contact every Greek restaurant in your state, province, or county and offer the images for use on menus, wall art, or advertising even. Set up a website and use a domain maybe called imagesofgreece.com if it's available and let them view your work and order online. Selling this way can be really lucrative. Like you're not going to get 25 cents off these guys. You resize all the images for what they want. You work with their printer. If it's going on the wall, you provide the frames and everything, and it can be really lucrative. Say you're a, a Greek guy and you were born in on some Greek island. A guy contacts you with images of your hometown. You're going to pay, and they see the value in it because they can't get them anywhere else. Another example, take photos of your town or city and try to sell them to the local businesses. Like these guys' businesses are going to put them up in their office, the shop, in the reception areas. I know a photographer that did that very thing. He made an awful lot of money for a local real estate company. So you, these new buildings have got with these huge ceilings allows for these massive pictures to be put up. And he made a killing on it just on one deal. All right, so next we've got planning. Now, this is critical. You have to know who you aim to sell your work to. If you know who you're going to sell to, you know what kind of photos you're going to be taking. If you're taking of a cathedral, don't roll up at noon. Say you're in Madrid and you're going to do the picture of the cathedral. Don't turn up at noon and expect to get an image that sells. It's going to be swarming with people, all the tourists. Turn up early and get your shots before the tourists have even had the breakfast. Now, if you take a picture with people in it, you need a model release form for each identifiable person. So it's an impossible thing to do. So don't do it. If you do, that image is considered for editorial use only. If you're selling to magazines and 
through these stock agencies or anywhere. If someone sees an image of themselves they didn't give the okay for, you you can be taken to court and it can get expensive. Now, so any pictures that you don't have a model release, it's going to be considered an editorial image and it's for non-commercial use. So it can only be used in newspapers and magazines for news and opinion pieces. It cannot be used for selling. If your images have no one in them, or they do and you've got the release signed, they can be used to sell products and that is where the money is. So before you decide what you're going to shoot, write down 10 different types of businesses, then make a list of what kind of images you could sell to them. Once you've identified your potential customers, then shoot with them in mind. Don't think about where you, well, you can think about where you want to travel to first and then do this, which probably work out but this is a really important thing to do. You, you've got to have plenty of customers in mind. If the images you're going to take are only going to sell to one person or one business, it's a risky business to be in because if they say no, you've got no sales. You need to pay for the cost of the trip, which is what a lot of travel photographers do. They offset the cost of their traveling with photography. Now, equipment. When you know what you're going to shoot, you will know what equipment you're going to need. If you're traveling abroad, you might want to scale down, but will you have everything you need? You want to take killer images that sell, and you need the right equipment to take those images. The cost of carrying your equipment, ensuring it can be a little restrictive, but you've got to work this out beforehand. All right, so covers about everything for travel photography that I know of. Um, so I'll do a little bit of news. This is the news section. I feel like I should have one of those things, you know, breaking news. It's not really breaking news. So Nikon's next addition to the Z lineup is going to be the Z8, and that's going to fit nicely in between Z7 and Z9. So that's a good good naming policy they've got there. Keeps it nice and simple. Now this camera is going to be using the sensor that I mentioned last week from the Sony A7R4. No Roman numerals allowed in here. What I didn't mention is that by using pixel shift technology that Sony has developed, it is possible to make a 240 megapixel image that's composed of 16 identical images. Well, not identical. The pixels that they used on the sensor are slightly moved to one side or up, and they got 16 different variations of the same image. Now, this was developed using, it came from the in-body stabilization system. So I found that very confusing, but Apparently, the thing that the stabilization system uses allows them to do these different images. To compile the files at the moment, you need to use Sony's Image Edge desktop software. Uh, when Nikon releases the Z8, I expect they're going to have their own software to compile the composite. Or maybe they'll even license the uh, software to go with the sensor. So it's possible to get a 240 megapixel high-definition composite image that is 19,008 by 12,672. So 19,000 by 12,500 pixels in size. At the moment, a lot of the full frames are putting out an image of 6,000 wide on the long side, 6,000. And this will be 19,000. So that's going to be super high definition. And oh. That would be perfect for the travel photographer taking a photo of the uh, Sistine Chapel ceiling. The image quality when you're printing this would be incredible. Absolutely incredible. If you're not going to buy Sony and you want to buy Nikon, wait for this Z 
uh, the Z8. It's going to be 61 megapixels, and you'll have the technology to print one of these uh, 240 megapixel image and then print it on for your wall. It'll probably cover your whole wall of your living room. All right, that's it for this week. Uh, today is day what are we on now? 79 of my photo a day for the year, for 2022. Feel free to post any of your images on Instagram. Just put 50 millimeter frame, well, sorry, hashtag 50 millimeter framework in your description and it will be added to the list. All right, thanks for listening. I'll be back next week. Bye.